all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcoming fans of the 50-yard fight, this is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Kyleman bringing you in, as always, as we bring you into episode 109 of the show, or as we like to call it, NAL Game Day Week 10 edition. Wow, we're into the double digits now. As you heard this coming week, or, well, last week, really, we're already past the halfway point. We are on the back end of the schedule. It is time to hit the main stretch leading into this year's playoffs and NAL championship game that will be coming up later in July and in August. So buckle up. It's time for the more serious affair and the more serious, uh, I think, jockeying for position to kind of begin its early stages now that we are in week 10. And we got a lot of key matchups coming up this week, some uh, good storylines this week uh, for games. And we'll, I'll bring in, of course, my good buddy pal and co-host so we can uh, you know fully at length get into these with uh jim mernier as i like i said i call him the uh adam schefter or uh ian rapaport oh i never even called you Ian rapaport of the league well i'll throw that in as an alternative whichever you prefer out there uh but jim good to, good to have you on as always of course can't have a show i really can't have a show without you be frank <laughs> you know well, just got to be honest well the question is um who's the one that got the brett uh tom brady news wrong or two years ago was that M. Schefter or Ian Rappaport? Uh, that was that was both. I mean, they they, they it was kind of like uh, I think Rappaport reported first. If you're wanting to say which one, then I am M. Schefter. Then yes, yes, go. good call. But yeah, it's great to be here. Week ten's here finally. It week week ten's finally here. Um, I don't know what you guys are doing over there um especially listening to our show again thank you to our listeners thank you to our followers thank you to our fans and thank you to the players that listen to us each and every week remember we are a platform for you um again week 10 is here and also when this show airs on friday well that's friday at morning tonight we have a football game tonight we have Empire and Predators. So it's here. But also, this weekend on Sunday, the official launch of the Patreon will be dropping, ladies and gentlemen. The link will be in the description. It will officially launch doing something unique, interesting. All our content is free. You don't need to go on Patreon to get anything. Uh, it's not a requirement. It's just, you know, for a lot of our dedicated listeners who reached out to us. So that's the announcement that I'm toying with. But anyways, it's glad to be here. Week 10, three awesome games coming up this weekend. Showdown in Orlando, the Shark Tank, and, the show, and, and of course, West Texas. Can Mitch Kidd do it again and get a big dub out west uh, for the West Texas Warbirds as they are trying to catch up with the Fayetteville Mustangs? For that four spot in the National Arena League. So yes, yeah. week ten's here and looking forward to it, my friend. Yeah, likewise. Uh mm-hmm. it's going to be a thriller. Um like I said, the storyline piece I think is what is uh what got a lot has a lot of people attracted to week ten coming up, um, one thing or another. Um nonetheless, we're going to be diving into that ASAP in just a moment to give you all the details on all the games that you want to discuss 
this week in the National Arena League. But, of course, we've got some things to tidy up on. Uh, first off, a little more personal stuff, and this is, this isn't de- trust me, Jim, this ain't deviating away from the uh, rundown. Um, hey, if you have, uh, have not, follow us on social media at InWallsPod, by the way, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, uh, if you are new to the show, because we do get regular new subscribers or new listeners, uh, feel free. Jump on over to the YouTube page, by the way, if you're an audio listener. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Click that bell. Builds morale for us. Um, if you're on the audio version for the first time, by the way, drop us a review. You know, Let us know what you think. We uh, do like to read and hear from fans. Uh, really do want to make this the best possible, not only NAL show, but arena football show that you get to tune into every week or as much as possible during the year when we get a chance uh, to discuss this stuff because we do love this sport that much and we're glad to meet new people that do get to dive in and talk about this as well. Now, diving into more pressing matters of this deal, let's get into the media poll, shall we? Every game day, uh, if you're for, for example, if you're new, remember, we do media polls and coaches polls. So kicking things off, media poll, who votes? Us and a lot of other guys around the league that do cover the NAL, which is growing, which I'm glad to see. We are getting more people covering the NAL and all its things. You might be looking on the video version right now and noticing that the poll does have a few changes from last week. I know we did penalize the gunslingers a little bit in week nine, but gotta drop the Cobras. You lose to the Mustangs, you do get knocked down a peg for that, and the voters definitely came out and recognized that, moving San Antonio back up to that two spot. Jacksonville still holding strong at the number one. They actually gained a first place vote this week. Uh, That one was coming from the Cobras from last week's vote. They now have eight. The Gunslingers are second. They have two first place votes. Rest of the rundown, Cobras at three, Mustangs at four, Warbirds at five, Preds at six, Empire sitting all the way down there at seven. Uh, And that's all she wrote. Jim, I mean, real quick analysis on this for the media poll, but I mean, I think you and I, many others that put in the votes here. Um, again, Jacksonville still showing they're strong as ever. That I don't think is a question, but I think the bigger one was that seeing the Cobras take that slip, Mustangs came in, you know, came out, had that signature win as we discussed, and, uh, you know, Carolina got penalized for it, rightfully so. They, got, they really didn't get – talking about penalization – it's not really getting penalty. Yes, they got hurt. Well, I mean, the standings, they, you lose they, a spot. That's what yeah, I'm saying. They lose a spot. They lost a couple of votes, but they're still in the mix. As you can tell in the, in the media poll right now, Jacksonville and the Gunslingers, or Jacksonville and uh, South, uh, San Antonio, are clear one and two in the league. Then you see the Cobras and Mustangs as that you know, three and four. Then you get uh, the Warbirds basically are by themselves at five. And Predators are by themselves, and then the Empire are seventh place. Uh, but you could tell Jacksonville did, took care of business last week in West Texas. They got the win. Gunslingers bounced back. Of course, we had a guy that voted Sharks one week, and he now voted back uh, with the Gunslingers. So you got two votes for San Antonio. So it, you're, you're seeing in the, in the media poll right now that the top two teams are rising to the what do you, that term, you know, rise the cream rises to the top. Uh, Sharks and the Gunslingers are that right now. The Cobras got a little, you know, one of the most inconsistent games we've seen them play since last year, and Fayetteville got them. Fayetteville is creeping up in the rankings. Um, they're gaining more votes again. They I think they gained six votes this time around. West Texas only had 22 votes last week. Now they're at 31, so they're gaining votes as well. So it seems like the top echelons of the media poll 
uh, standings are they're slowly pulling away from the lower tier teams where the lower tier teams are losing votes as the season gets further ahead. But that can change, especially this weekend where you have the seven taking on the six this week, five taking on the three and the four taking on the one in the media poll rankings, the coaches poll rankings, I think drop sometime um, tomorrow. Uh, there was a delay in that. Uh, I think they, they dropped sometime tomorrow, maybe at the time of this show, but uh, this is the week 10 media polls with 10 guys who covered the league spanning from podcasts, news, um, um, color analyst, and um, actual people who work for newspapers around the National Arena League doing this media polls for for the for the non-biased poll as we can, um, try to get because a lot of a lot of us right. do tend lean towards it's like the it's like a great example of the AP poll in college football. There are some teams that get ranked higher so high they don't deserve the ranking, but it's because their name and their brand sells. That gets the edge over a team that's well deserving. So, I like a poll where you got coaches and media. They come together and make their own poll, but that will never work. Never does in college football, and most likely won't happen here. Um, but then again, uh, this is something that just what we believe as uh, people in the media think the league stands as of today, and the coaches' poll will be out on Friday before uh, the game kicks off down in Orlando. Yep. You'll see that soon enough. Again, it's sometimes some things can't fully get arranged and keep in mind, you know, it's a lot of it. They try and get all the coaches into the poll, as we all know, mm-hmm. you know, Albany Mulligat just getting recently more adjusted. Poll is probably not his first priority right now, but Correct. they will still get it out. Trust me, just, you know, sometimes we get it, sometimes we don't, but they always do post a new one, as you've seen. So you'll get a week 10 one before we kick off coming up well today as you're listening to this show most likely or tonight as you're listening to the show going in mm-hmm. to th- that first matchup uh but yeah kind of kind of summarizes things you know um not too much changes again that great win from Fayetteville kind of moves a few pieces around but you know still is going to be a fun rest of the season I think the Mustangs make it for voters a little more challenging if they keep stacking wins although We'll talk about the challenges ahead for them this week, as you may know, with the top-ranked team that they're going to have to go visit in, and from what I've tracked, uh, is a very crowded uh, Vistar Memorial Coliseum that's going to be hosting this weekend. I mean, the tickets are really moving, it looks Two like. Two themes this this week in Jacksonville. It's bring a buddy game and Hawaiian night. Usually when Jacksonville does bring a buddy game, the crowd is – roughly from the last couple of years I remember is touching near 8,500 people. Um, that, that's one of our big uh, games. And it's been a tradition here in Jacksonville for that um, event for the last couple of years. So expect a big crowd. And especially when here in Jacksonville, a lot of TV coverage, a lot of radio coverage, a lot of commercials, a lot of vehicles to see around town with Jacksonville stuff going on. So um, when the Sharks are winning, people in Jacksonville will notice and that building's going to get packed. So the Shark Tank now is good. Just wait until this team is competing for home field advantage in the playoffs. Uh, those last couple of home games are going to be very, very intense. And if they do get in the playoffs, nothing beats a playoff home game in the Shark Tank. And then for the people in Jacksonville, that's their goal. It's for every team, especially in San Antonio. Their goal is to get a playoff game. Um, but, yeah, Jacksonville tennis is looking good. I, I looked at Orlando's attendance. They're looking pretty good. Yes, they West are. Texas is – from the people I've talked to, they're expected to have a their biggest crowd of the year 
again they've, they've again pre- keyword again by the way again, my, last week was yeah 2103 was the total for last week's game it was the biggest crowd of the year and they expect more this week so there's buzz in the air uh a, again we're in the playoff push uh starting here week 10 uh in the national Marine league so we got it's early but speaking of week 10 I, let me put this back up before we start talking about our first game this is where it stands after last week's completion of the NAL playoffs. Fayetteville will travel to San Antonio. The Carolina Cobras will travel to Jacksonville in that 3-2 matchup. And if seeds fall as they may, the San Antonio Gunslingers, as of this moment, will be having home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And if you have a history of the National League ring, only one team in the NAL has ever lost as a one seed in the playoffs. That was the Massachusetts Pirates in 2018. Every other um, – one seed has uh, prevailed and made it to the championship and won the championship. So it's pivotal to get the one seed, especially here in the National Arena League. Certainly helps a lot that home field advantage, home field advantage, no matter what. But uh, you know, also usually signifies a lot of uh, what you might expect for mm-hmm. the end of the year result to be come August is what we're saying. Uh, let's dive in. By the way. It's week 10 time. It's time to talk about some football. And let's get into one of the matchups on Saturday. We're going to go a little reverse. It is Friday that has the first game, but, you know, we we said that's the game of the week, so we can't really dive in yet to your evening game. So, as you can see, let's talk about the uh, Carolina Cobras jumping out, traveling on the road, uh, you know, maybe trying to kind of not remember what happened the week prior. They're going to go out to the Ector Memorial Coliseum. They're going to be playing in the Top Gunner's house, the Hangar. And as you said, it's tracking towards a, even a record crowd for them this week. Which I mean, hey, look, that's great. I, I it's, it's uh, you. I think you said it best in one of our recent shows where it's feeling like San Antonio of last year, where they're slowly things are changing in the good, in the right direction yeah. to the, for the better in the NAL, which is a great storyline, by the way. Um, they got a competitive squad. Uh, Carolina's going to have to come in and play a pretty solid football ball game, but that doesn't mean that they're going to walk away with a win, even even playing solid. You know, we saw last week, it was a one-possession game for at least the back end of that fourth quarter at two different instances with the Warbirds, and you're going to have that crowd on your side. Fun times ahead. I mean, I don't really always believe in silver linings, but if you're Coach Smith, if you're Mitch Kidd, as we are still going to get him on the show at some point, both of them again, on the show at some point, uh, yeah, I guess you can take some silver lining into this week and be like, hey, look, we hung in with the big dog, you know, one of the guys that a lot of people think are the top guys in this league. Who's to say we can't get a little revenge on a team that we lost by a kick earlier in the year? In our own home palace, mind you, our own home hangar, mind you. That's got to be what they're feeling right now. Yeah, it for West Texas, they went on the road in Carolina and took them to the wire earlier in the year. And that was a sign of something. And you mentioned about West Texas is like it's like deja vu from San Antonio from last year. The difference from between this West Texas team now and San Antonio last year is West Texas is currently in the mix for the postseason right now where the standings are. They win if they beat uh, Car- uh, Carolina this week, and a little help from them uh, from a team up uh, above them, probably Jacksonville knocking off uh, Fayetteville. They will gain a game on Fayetteville 
and a game on Carolina. So they put them right in the thick of that four, even the three in the postseason push. And depending on what happens down in Orlando, you could see Orlando start putting into that picture. That's how crucial this game is for the ramifications outside of just this game itself. Now, when you preview this game, you want to look at key, you know, aspects of the game, how the teams were previous week. Carolina struggled. They couldn't sustain drives. A lot of short – their game plan with uh, uh, Coach Fuller's offense is he's going to nickel and dime you, and he's going to keep doing that until you bring the safeties up, and he's going to beat you deep. Unfortunately, Fayetteville did a great job of let him let Fuller do the nickel and dime, but we're not going. We're not going to pull our guys up for you to go deep. They did that very well against um, against Malik Henry. Also, that offensive Carolina was just not drives were dying. They weren't. They were showing no sign of consistency, and Malik Henry looked like he was the Malik Henry from last season in Jacksonville. Like didn't know what he was doing. Not not didn't know what he was doing. Certain routes weren't open, and he was trying to force plays down the field. See, now you look at West Texas, even though Jacksonville scored 58 points last week, you can say that West Texas kind of held their own against a very potent offense in Jacksonville. Oh, it definitely did. I, so, I think it's a question. Carolina has a good offense, but I don't think they're as good as Jacksonville yet and how the, how the two teams have played overall this season. You're heading out west. That's a long road trip from Greensboro, North Carolina, down to Odessa. That's a, a long flight. So there's little aspects that we will, you know, put into this as well. But one of the things I want to see is what we didn't see last week is Naquan Murray or Nooney Murray from the Carolina Cobras didn't play last week. I think he's active this week, and that's to be a big addition for Malik Henry. Mm-hmm. Also, guys last week that we didn't hear their names a lot last week were Zach Brown. Adam Smith, Lance Evans. You didn't hear those those names last week because it was just how good Fayetteville was playing. Now you're heading out west to West Texas. And when you got guys, you look at the West Texas side of the ball, who are their go-to guys on defense? Well, you got a Trayvon Shorts, who's probably one of the better jacks in the league and probably one of the better running backs in the league. Uh, he can carry a game. You have guys like C. Lewis who can, you know, solidify that front line. And you have Wilson a an Ironman player who is a dynamic receiver and he's a big man. So he can go up against some of these tall receivers and, and, you know, grab the ball. This game right here, and especially how West Texas has been playing over the last couple of weeks, what Carolina better not go in there thinking this is going to be an easy win. This is going to oh, be I a four not. quarter battle. And usually we go, Hey, TC Stevens, the main weapon. West Texas has Weber. And he had three deuces last week. It was one way, from, one deuce away from tying the NAL record for four. So they have weapons. Also, the quarterbacks, Mitch Kidd, who is very impressive, who came in and got a big win on the road in Orlando, did very well against Jacksonville. A couple of turnovers, but fumbles, and those are all usually 90% luck sometimes. But West Texas has a solid core. One thing I like about West Texas in this game is they're home. They took Jacksonville to the wire, who's a great offense. Mm-hmm. Now another team from the East Coast is traveling all the way up to Odessa. You don't have to travel. You had an extra week to prepare for Carolina, extra week with your guys, so you have more chemistry with your guys. 
And this week you're going up against a team in Carolina who's, I think, trying to find themselves their in offense again. But Carolina's that type of team we've seen in the past where they're all firing all cylinders. They're a very explosive offense who could score a lot of points. Their defense is the same way. But one thing that was mentioned on another show that I watched a film about Carolina, this is one thing that worries me about Carolina. They have great talent, great athletes, but they miss a lot of open field tackles. And Fayetteville ate them alive for those missed tackles last week. If they can sure that up, contain Childress, get him to the ground, get Wilson to the ground, and make West Texas basically go 50 yards down the field for every score, not have a blown coverage or easy score, Carolina could set the tone of the game. My keys to this game and my goal of this, this key to this game for both teams is who can make the game go their game plan, meaning who controls, who dictates the game plan. Is it Carolina's speed where they're going to just, you know, nickel and dime you down the field and score and get you to move up, hit, hit you deep? Or is it West Texas style going to, we're going to run the football, we're going to eat some clock, and we're going to score, and we're going to play a solid defense. Who gets the more – who dictates their will on this game is, in my opinion, the team that's going to pull out the victory here out west in Odessa. Well, I think if you're Carolina, you're coming out of the out of the bat, whether you get the coin toss on your side or not, and essentially just rectifying what was, I think, the main catalyst as to why they couldn't keep up with Fayetteville and really why they got so far behind the eight ball to where it just didn't matter later on. It, simple thing is you you can't you know if I'm James Ford at the end of that contest you're you're going to your guys going guys we just can't get down thirty two to nine we can't get down you know upwards of three, three possessions. possessions yeah you know that 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 just won't win any football games and you know you could maybe say that about Fayetteville I would say two ish three weeks ago but you know even that even then that's a, that was a similar squad they played earlier in the year only got away f- with it for a two point deuce conversion, that mm. great kick from TC Stevens, you know, they're going to have to come play. Now I'll admit, like you said, though, Nyquan Murray, that'll be great to get back. And honestly, if they can get the ball first and kind of just play their brand of ball right away, you know, put the pressure on the other side right out of the gate, that might help a ton. And again, they still defensive pieces that it's, they're no slouch still. I mean, they still got good defensive guys in the secondary that can cover and keep things at bay and take advantage, you know, I do want to see, can they get similar pressure on Mitch Kidd that maybe the Sharks did in the fourth quarter to kind of close the deal? I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think that's something you're going to be watching in this game, especially early on, is uh, are they rattling his cage? Because Mitch is great at manipulating the pocket so far. He's been doing an excellent job kind of buying himself time, getting guys open from his feet. Uh, I think he's getting a better wrap report. Not only, I mean, he's had Jalen Childers, but uh, Richie Anderson's getting more involved in that offense. You know, Don Raspberry getting a little more time and all. And I mean, they've been getting a little bit more week by week with each other. That helps. You know, defensive side of the ball, like I said, you get out to an early score, you can help put pressure on that West Texas defense. Now, if you get a good stop on West Texas side, like if West Texas gets gets everything stalled, sky's the limit to me. You're feeling great because then you're going, all right, you know, we've been – we held down the fort decently. We we kind of slowed things down against Jacksonville. We're keeping up this train rolling into the into this contest. We we gotta be feeling pretty good. And you get and again, if you're talking a record crowd in that arena, mm-hmm. which the hangar can get loud. I mean, it, it is a it is a shallow arena, so you got a lot more reverberation. It doesn't take as many people to get as much noise in there to make uh, it loud. 
you know, a lot more reflecting sounds off the walls, off the ceiling. You know, it does become a distraction. If you're getting more than 2,000 people in there, I mean, good luck. <laughs> well, I, I have a source who was at the game last week, player, by the way, saying that this is his second time out there because he was with the team in the week one. He goes, it's a day-night comparison to them now than it was in week one based on the fans. It gets loud. Apparently, they have a metal roof that's very unique compared to arenas. Arenas, the, the, the roofs are different, uh, you know, texture right. or whatever. Well, that's what, and that's why it's they partially call the it hangar. the hangar. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's like a metal roof hangar. And he goes, it, the the volume reverberates in that building and when it gets loud. So uh, that's from a, a player, current player for the Sharks, uh, saying hats off to Faith, uh, hats off to uh, the fans of Odessa for showing out. So yeah, so it, for that for that size of arena, I looked at this Mac. I, I think I looked on uh, the Google or something like that. It says capacity is about like fifty five hundred for max capacity, or fifty eight hundred or something like that. So. 22,000, 2,500, that's half the building. I'll make that building very loud. And, uh, yeah, trust me. You can and you get the party zone going. You can get some more people in there. You can even True. stack it more than just the seating attendance. So, True. you know, that's the thing. But, you know, I think that that, you know, keep that in consideration. Although, honestly, at this point, we've gotten most of – it feels like a lot of the arenas in the NAL you'll get loud. I just think this one, you know, with – you're, you're seeing the crowds grow. But I think, like, I, I'll finish off my thing with this game by saying and repeating what I said again. I think Carolina just wants to get to a fast start. I think that's just what they want to do. You know, it's to get in a rhythm, get the mojo back. Like, you're talking with Nyquan Murray. If he's in there, it's another piece to distract from Adam Smith and company, you know, causing damage on the other side. You know, or Lance Evans on the other side. You, you basically open that. Miles Kelly, he gets another game. And this is something that was key last week. You know, he came back from a short from a long a short-term IR stint, or really a long-term IR stint because it was the beginning of the year. But he comes back from a long-term IR. It's certainly only his first game back. Now he gets another week under his belt to kind of get the rust off. You know, he should be getting more reps and more comfortably getting reps yep. with his guys again. So if you can get a fast start, you can get these guys all in sync again. I mean, Carolina to me. They have all the pieces like we've expected. It's just that I think a lot of people are saying, how do you respond going on the road and kind of coming off your your ugliest loss of this year out of the two? But before we go to our next game, um, name a player that needs to have a breakout game for Carolina for them to pull off a victory here in Odessa. Uh, Carolina? I mean, I think you nailed it right in the head. I, you know what? No. Nyquan, I could say. I think, Miles, I think it's going to be Malik Henry. I, I do, I do, I do fully believe in Lee Henry. I want to see, uh, I want to see if he has a bit more crisper performance than he did previous week. And I just believe, to me, that Tate Smith is a good defensive arena coach, which is weird to say, given that this is arena football we're talking about. But they've put up great performances, and I think they're going to key in on that run. They know Carolina; they do a lot more functionally with the run than other teams in the NAL do. And I think they're going to basically say, all right, well, we'll make damn sure that when we see a run coming, we're going to stuff it. Uh, you better bring your A game in the passing game. And we can, but, you know, sometimes I think you do see the Cobras lean a little bit more on the run game to help supplant maybe some inefficiencies. And I'm hoping that with Henry, he gets to step up with having Kelly back a second week healthier and Murray being fully back to where you can kind of see him go off a little bit. I think that's going to be crucial is how well does he perform under pressure? 
You, do you see the same? And then give me your uh, give me your West Texas uh, key player while we're at I, it. I think for West Texas, uh, Trayvon Schwartz needs to go off. Meaning, um, sack not not really sack, maybe a deflection pass, interception, but at least two rushing touchdowns. Um, let's say about thirty-five to forty yards rushing on the ground could be something where that's in, in our game, ladies and gentlemen. That's going off. That'd be um, that'd be a lot of yards. Yeah, <laughs> for um, a night. <laughs> I think uh, we've seen Schwartz play up in Albany where he's a shutdown jack linebacker. He can just roam the zone. Uh, if he can get find a way to get a crucial turnover uh, to get Mitch Kidd an extra possession in the game, and then he either runs it in or he you know gets a big run, um, I think he'd be a key factor for this game because I think him and Zach Brown are whoever, in my opinion, has a – I think for West Texas would be Trayvon Schwartz, same as with Carolinas with Zach Brown. Uh, you're going to see a lot of running in this game, which you usually don't see a lot um, in the arena game. Well, you got two teams that love to run the football going to going after each other this um, Saturday night, uh, 8.30 Eastern um, on YouTube. Yeah, not too bad. I agree with you on the shorts one. I think that'll be, vi- that'll be vital. Um, you know, and if anything, it's a plan. It let's kid kind of chill out. You know, they get to kind of mix this up. And shorts is funny. Shorts, we thought was going to be more of the main rushing force, but they've mixed it up. They do have two, they have two runners as well. Ingram is another one. So... You know, they do have guys that they can pick and choose, but I do think that Shorts is the more, I think he's a little, like, Ingram's more of the bruiser. Shorts is more of the finesse. He can deliver a punch, but he he's great at getting guys off balance and kind of doing the cut. So I, I do hope to see him get more involved, but good good choice. Defensively specifically, I think that he'll absolutely be one that sticks out and will be vital, I think, if you're, like, talking with us, like Mike Henry being that guy. Mm-hmm. But I digress. Let's before we dive into game number two, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, I mean, you get a little bit of video. Yeah, I got an announcement to make. Yeah, you do. Let's let's dive, let's uh, show something off, shall we? Uh, yes, Devin Wilson uh, will be on NAL Rebound. Very rare we do uh, in, uh, player interviews on Rebound, but Devin Wilson has been uh, gone for uh, 10 weeks from the NAL, so this is will be back. Uh, no, it's not a hint on who he's signing with. That's just all the photos we can find or I can find. It's all in Sharks gear. So um, uh, I think the announcement will happen sometime next week where he signs. So his suspension does end this weekend, especially when the final whistle, when our final whistle or when the clocks go double zero in Odessa, he is off suspension from the National Real League and he is a free agent for every time, but he wants to come on the show. Uh, we want him on the show because he's a big supporter. Uh, he's influenced this show a lot with uh, his help for me to get connections in the league. Um, so Uno's been a, a cool cat, um, and he's at every Sharks home game. Uh, so the guy is a very loyal. Uh, he, he's loyal to the city of Jacksonville with fans. Uh, and again, uh, he was one of our first guests on the show two years ago. 
Uh, so why not bring back Uno for his return to the National Arena League? Most likely on Tuesday, he'll tell you who he's signing with and who he's going to play for. And we'll just discuss about what's the last <laughs> half a season's been for him, uh, getting ready and talk about other stuff, probably what happened in last year, see how he grew. So we're, we're looking forward to it. So that's a special interview. Uh, Uno returns Tuesday uh, on NAL Rebound. Um, live here on YouTube, um, possibly at a new time. We have a poll going on out there, so go vote. Uh, we've had people ask about releasing time later, so we have a vote. It's on our Facebook page. Go vote. Uh, so as of right now, it'll be 10 a.m. East Coast time on Tuesday. Yeah, keep it posted. But, yeah, that should be a fun one. Uh, last interview we did with him was uh, was very entertaining. So we're, we're excited to get him back on, and you know he'll talk about where he's coming back to. So if you want to know – Hey, where's where's Devin Wilson playing this year? You know, for that stretch run again, because we're past the halfway point, especially after this week. Uh, any team could gladly use the services of an All NAL talent that also plays good two ways. We saw last year too. You know, that that's something that gets on, overshadowed. He does do good Ironman work on both sides of the ball. So you're getting not only a good receiver, but most likely a good Ironman player, one of the better ones in this league, jumping in on your roster. So stick stay stick around. We'll be talking about that come beginning next week. However, we got a game to get through. Sharks are hosting a game back in the tank. They're taking on the Mustangs who are coming off, you know, as we saw through social media, they're coming off. They're feeling pretty good. You know, last week, got that big signature win against their in-state, what we're going to call, we're going to call officially a rivalry because as Jason Gibson says for the Sharks, it's not really a rivalry until you both get a win off each other. And certainly enough, the Cobras did get one and Fayetteville get returned the favor right back. So we'll call it the Carolina Rumble, a rivalry officially now. They get to pump their chest up, but they have to go on the road just down the way to Star Memorial Coliseum. And as you pointed out, Jim, they're going on a night where the Sharks are doing a really good promo for the crowd, for the crowd to grow. Bring a buddy. Mm-hmm. Because it's just going to be loud for Rakeem Cato and company to kind of focus in. But I'll, but I do say for the Mustangs, if you are going to take on the Sharks after getting your getting your licks in and you know having to take them as you did last time at Crown Coliseum, good time to bring a confidence booster in getting that win off Carolina because uh, you know Jacksonville playing playing the be- their best ball right now uh, for the most part. I really can't say there's many flaws in their game at this time. No, number one scoring offense in the National Arena League, number one in total offense in the National Arena League, uh, number one in turnover points off of turnovers, uh, number four defensively over in the National Arena League, uh, number two in the league in defensive scoring, and the list goes on. That's the reason why they're five and two, and, and they're number one in the media poll, and most likely I think they're going to be number one again in the coaches' poll um, for this week. But, yes, it is a tall task for the Fayetteville Mustangs. But what Fayetteville did last week is they shut me and you up. Um, we they ate did. crow. <laughs> they told us to acknowledge them. Um, but I I made a statement last uh, on Tuesday show that you beat Carolina and Carolina. Now you're coming to a game where if you beat this team, it's a bigger statement. Uh, it's a tall task going into the shark tank, especially against an offense that's firing all cylinders. And you look at previous matchup between these two teams in uh, Fayetteville. It was a close game in the first half. A turnover in the first possession by Fayetteville in the second half was the, the termination of the game, where the Jacksonville went on to win by three and a half, three scores. 
but the difference between Crown Coliseum and the Shark Tank is it's a hostile crowd in Jacksonville. They know the game in Jacksonville. They'll be loud at the right times. They'll be quiet at the right times. And, again, I've, well, I've talked to many players. When you go in the Shark Tank, it build, it brings the better personality in the player. Kendrick Gaines has said this before. Trey Long has said this before and in other inter, our interviews about playing in big, big stadiums. Some a lot of players rather play on the road than home because they rather shut up over opposing crowd than you know play in front of their own fans. So it's going to be a nice atmosphere. This is going to be an atmosphere where we can see, either see a team make another big step in their development and growth as an organization, or we'll see the oh hum Jacksonville just won again. Oh hum, they just scored sixty points again. That's the type of game that we can see in this game. Um, Excuse me. That's the type of game that I expect to see in this game where there you have you go. two franchises going uh, upper trajectory right now um, as we are nearing – well, not really nearing. We're still 10, eight weeks away from the postseason. But this is a time for players like uh, Rakeem Cato, uh, Trey Long uh, to make that next step, Tevin Homer to make that tef- next step, James Summers to make that next step against a very potent offense. And, of course, a defense who, as well, leads the National Arena League in sacks as of this moment, who is also second in the National Arena League with sack pressures, which yeah. I don't understand that's why they're second, um, even though they have the most sacks. But I'm maybe, sure. if, maybe efficiency is not the same, I guess. I, but. I'm just reading. Uh, San Antonio's number one in sack pressures, but we're number one in sack totals. Um or the sharks are excuse me, not worth. See, that's my fan and possible. Well, now that, this is how I read this though, because you're you're bringing up a point. You know that means that they're getting home more. You know pressures yeah. are if you're coming close, but you're no cigar or you're influencing the play. Which credit San Antonio definitely Does, they're no yeah. slouch. We know that for a fact. Uh, yes. Just now, Alexander Kit, you know Calvin Fance, they're gonna get back there. But you know how? I mean, we're talking we're talking your guy holiness here. I mean, dude's got ten sacks. Right now, he's double digits. That's that's impressive. We're not even halfway through. We're halfway through the year right now. Yeah. Uh, Shakai has ten sacks. Uh, the stats are a little bit of, uh, a little off on the NAL site. I got confirmation. David Gilbert has four. Uh, uh, Renfro has four. Shakai has ten. Because uh, Sharks have a total of twenty-two sacks this year. Uh, I think the website only says eighteen. So there's three sacks missing. Um, so Jacksonville gets to the quarterback and gets sacks. Um, for Fayetteville side of thing, you look at their stats. They're f- they're fifth in the National Ring League of giving up sacks. Um, and then uh, the only teams that are below them are Orlando and Albany that give up sacks. They're the fifth team. So uh, you got the number one taking on the number five. So that's going to be a key contributor. But when we see in the previous game between these two teams, Jacksonville controlled the line of scrimmage. They dominated from the beginning of the game. Even though the score in the first half was close, when you're seeing the pure, pure dominance that was happening in the, in the, in the last scrimmage in week one, oh, excuse me, week three, or no, yeah, week three of the season, mm-hmm. um, it was completely just a, obliteration um, from your, from that point on in the game. And then you saw in the second half, Jackson pull away. But one thing Faith Hill has done, especially in Carolina, especially what they did against Albany. Their line of scrimmage game has improved tremendously. They're giving Cato time. Cato's looking down the field and getting open receivers. He's making right decisions. Their offense is potent. Their offense is explosive when it's clicking. That's one thing I love about Fayetteville's offense. They got the weapons in Fayetteville 
that they can put up 70. We've seen them do it this year, or 68, but still, that's close. That's 70. They did it week one against Orlando. They can do that. They can have that explosive offense. So this is not going to be a walk in the park for Jacksonville. Jacksonville knows they're going to have they have a tough team coming in with an explosive offense, and they have to have it trying to contain Cato. If they contain Cato like they did the first time around, we probably could see the same affair. But I don't see that. I see a, a more experienced, a more experienced team in Savannahville that's been together longer, who now understands each other, going down the Shark team, trying to go and prove a point. Again, they're only a game back of the Sharks in the standings. A win. We'll get them closer based on tiebreakers. I don't know how that will work. I haven't looked into it, but it's going to be a very interesting game for that point. Fayetteville still in the mix for the two. Jacksonville still in the mix for a four and a one. So it's still early in the game. But one of the things I want to look in this game and I is be right in the beginning of the game. It's like, Every time I watch football games, a lot of people want to look at the receivers and quarterbacks. Like this is going, it's all about the stars and the big plays. I want to see if the Hogs on the line scrimmage, who's winning that battle. Whoever wins that battle or in the early stages of the game, you can see who will eventually win the game as well. Wish there was a stat that can show that, but there no one follows stats like that this day and age. Um, but a key for me for Jacksonville in this game is containing Cato, get him on the ground. Don't make him dance back there. Don't make him scramble out there because when he does, Kendrick Ings gets, finds a way to get open. Trey Long can finds get a way open. And Lance Summers, who had a nice little breakout game last week against Carolina, can be that third option that can end up being his torch for uh, torch for Fayetteville to hurt Jacksonville. So I've, for Jacksonville, the key to the game here is just trying to contain Cato. And also at the same time, Keep the offense doing what you're doing. Every possession, score points, get Marco to hit the deuces. You're in Visar Arena, so you don't have to deal with American flags uh, blocking the uh, uh, field goal post like you did in Odessa. So there won't be no dust. Well, there is a banner, but I don't think he'll touch it, though. The scoreboard's been moved. But overall, out of the three games this weekend, everyone says, why is Fayetteville and Jacksonville not a game in the week? It should be. Well, it should be because it's the two topper teams head-to-head. Um, I'm looking forward to this game. I'll be there live uh, with a couple of friends enjoying the game. So if you're there live, come find me at Section 113. Uh, we'll, you know, chit-chat and enjoy the game. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching. I'm looking forward to meet Kendrick Ings. I messaged him a couple of times. Like, I can't wait till you come down to Jack's. Can't wait to meet you. Um, so there's guys on the team I love to shake hands with. So uh, overall, this game, one thing I love about this game is that this could be the game where Fayetteville wins and they skyrocket to the top of the tier of this league, or it could be a game where Jacksonville solidifies himself. Like we are the top dogs in this league. This is just the beginning. This is one of the games I'm really looking forward to. Can Cato make that next step from being just a good quarterback in the league to be an elite quarterback in the league? If he does that sky's the limit for Fayetteville. It's certainly a massive chance right now to keep on adding on to what has been, you know, a really great season for the Mustangs. I mean, look, you know, we saw against Carolina, something that they were able to do is that, you know, in a much, in a game with a much higher, with a higher caliber opponent, Mm -hmm. they played clean. They played effective football. There was that slip up. We talked about the beginning of the second half. They've done it two weeks in a row. Now you can't keep that trend going. You need to get out of the halftime and everyone's got to be on the same page right out of the gate. You can't just allow a possession, 
you can't just allow a possession swing like that off of a turnover. And that's something that if you're the Mustangs, you know, you played arguably one of your cleanest games against Carolina last week. Somehow you have to play a cleaner. That's that's just how it goes with top teams in the NAL like this, whether it is, you know, this year's Sharks, whether it's been the two previous years Empire, you know, or the Carolina Cobras of this year or last, you know, the gunslingers coming in. You got to play clean football. That is, makes or breaks you so much in the NAL and in arena football. And I think for the Mustangs, whether it's Rakeem Cato getting this, getting an exchange with his center down correctly, you know, whether it is, you know, getting a clean pocket to deliver a pass, making sure that, you know, you're executing no mental gaps in the secondary, which is going to be hard because there are so many weapons that the Sharks can throw at you that it will be tough, even with this veteran core that they have, which their defense played their arguably their best game last week, which is a great sign if you're coming in. That is a great confidence booster coming in. You're going to need it because it is the best offense in the National Real League. And you could make an argument for the best defense. I mean, it's overall, it's playing overall the best ball right now mm-hmm. is Jacksonville. And they have two losses, but you can even look back at those losses and say, well, I had a, I had a one-point one affair against what was what is also one of the top teams in the league. And the other one was a just missed come from behind loss to the Preds with our at that time star rookie quarterback going down with a with a basically long IR injury, although it's I would say probably season ending at this point, given, you know, the certain the transaction to get Castronova. But I digress. You have to play perfect. You know, if you want to pull this off, it's not impossible. Any game's possible. Any night's possible. But you got to play perfect, and you got to protect your quarterback, and that's going to be the biggest challenge. I, I think, uh, you know, if you want to talk key players to the game, I know you can say Raheem Cato. Um, I actually believe, really, I think it's going to come down to anyone that's secondary. So I'm going to lay it on. I'm going to lay it on uh, Tevin Homer and Trey Long. I'll do a. I'll do a combo there. You know, they're DBs. They're going to be put in scenarios where they're going to have to play their best game. They're going to have to make sure their guys are on the same page. You know, if you can slow down at least one element of Sam Castronova's game where he can't find guys, sure, he can run on you, but he can't run every play on you is the deal. So I think on that side, before I toss it to you, I think that at least the DBs, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with those two because I think both of them have to play top-notch their best on that side of the ball. I think Trey Long will get his numbers as a receiver, but – I think on the opposite side, if you want to have any chance against Jacksonville, you need to get stops or find a way to get a turnover in some way. And it'll come down to those guys, especially in the secondary. Well, I'm going to do a double feature as well, as like you just did. Uh, Shakai Holiness and uh, Jeremiah Price, the two good DNs choices. for Jacksonville. Um, if, they're going, if they're having good games, a couple of sacks, that means Cato's being contained. I think those would be the two key individuals – um, in the game to see if Jacksonville is uh, having their way with meaning getting stops, getting scores. comes down to if they can get pressure on Cato. So Jeremiah Price and um, Shakai Holiness are my two guys to see uh, key players that have breakout games to lead their team to victory or lead the Sharks to victory on Saturday, on Saturday night. Yeah. Going to be a fun contest. Um, definitely, if you're in the area, I mean, it's in terms of the matchups on – the schedule this week, it is the heaviest, it's the two heavyweight fighter matchup. It's the, it's the title card one, at least, mm-hmm. or the, I, I don't know. Boxing. 
main event, the the marquee. I, I'm not great with boxing terms beyond in the ring, but that's what it is. It's the main event, the marquee event, you know, the top card, not the undercard meeting, you know, so you'll want to tune in if you want like the best competitive, I think. Um, however, that's not to say it was hard for us to pick pick game of the week because the one that we are going to talk about the storylines it's it's all over the place the storylines in this game it's it's the talk of the town for the two for the two meeting up um and you know you know who it is i think you've seen the beef online but we'll tease it in here with uh as jim has been putting lately some uh, excellent trailer footage to get you going let's roll let's roll that let's roll that glorious lead in to this matchup this evening And thus the journey begins as we have Friday night's matchup. One of only, again, one of only two Friday night games this year, you know, and it's going to be our game of the week, week 10, Albany Empire. They're traveling to Amway, the jungle, to take on the Orlando Predators. I tried my best PA announcer voice from the Preds because that guy, that guy is a different level of PA announcer. That, that whole crew is a different level of broadcast crew in arena or not. Um, but look, That's the right, storylines... Yeah, <laughs> right. You are right. You are Jimmy boy. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't take it. That's just a classic one. Well, the storylines in this one, we could not pass up. Look, you've got multiple all NAL guys from the Albany empire. We have talked at length about the mass release from earlier this year. 
that are on this roster. You've got Jonathan Bain, who was with the Preds, or who now is with the Preds, but who was with the Empire just three weeks prior, and here you are. That whole roster, coupled with all its talent, it's trying to find its feet. Meanwhile, the Empire, as we talk, they have been a story in their own right, on, off the field, you name it. Um, it has been all over the place. And not, the extra little... I think the extra little tidbit, the the final the final driving home point that we're like, okay, we can't pass this up for game of the week. We got players talking online. You know, we don't always talk about this, mm-hmm. but Kerry Starks and Fabian Guerra, they want a challenge. <laughs> they have uh, put it out there that they are they want this game. It sounds like, and I think the Preds have a chip on their shoulder, knowing that you have a lot of guys came from a roster that have come together. You know. Former head coach as well, coming over as offensive coordinator. They've had two losses so far with this group being put together like this. Now, credit, Bain only had Bain has only stepped in as of last week, but I think they got a chip on their shoulder. And now you got a team that's has guys that have played their former squad that are now talking like players do sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's to me. As much as I like good competition, that is also must-watch storyline football right there, which is why I have to, no matter what's happening tomorrow, I will be sitting on my couch watching this game on YouTube because I it is the game. I, I, I It's one of the two games I'm like, no matter what, I can't miss this yeah. <laughs> for, for, that, for that specific reason. I have to see how this plays out. <laughs> it's because of this. It has been a when we announced this as game of the week on Sunday, we've had a lot of messages on our Discord page and Twitter's like, why are you get, why are you having this last place game as game week? Why are you not going to Fayetteville, Jacksonville, or even West Texas? It's because this is basically we're week ten. This could be a de facto elimination game of the team who loses. The team who loses is going to go one and six. They could possibly be three and a half to four and a half games out of the four seed, depending on anything that's happened above them. And the team that wins is staying to staying up the pace with the teams above them. So this is a reason why. And also, it's the storylines that have been coming out this week about you know the players on social media getting feisty, which usually that's when the players start going back and forth, back and forth with each other. Um, it's a rivalry. Even though Albany and Orlando are not a rival in the realm of the arena game, uh, it's starting to become one. Um, of course, you do have current players for uh, Orlando that won championships, multiple championships up in Albany that are now in the black and red. You have players there that have a massive chip on their shoulders where when toe hits leather at 7 o'clock Eastern in Amway, um, there's going to be a playoff atmosphere in Amway for a Week 10 game. Albany is coming down there with a bunch of new signings as uh, Maurice Leggett is getting his guys in. Um, like we talked like we talked on the show uh, with uh, Jonathan Bain earlier, is the overall preparation, team chemistry, that will be an issue, me in my opinion, for Albany. Do they have enough of it? Yes, Fabian Guerra. Yes, Roland Rivers. Yes, Starks. They have some chemistry right now, but you have a lot more new additions in. 
in Orlando, not a lot of transitions going on right now. They still got C.J. Williams. They still have Lonnie Outlaw, who is starting to be like Lonnie Outlaw, what we know from 2001, or 21, excuse me, not 2001, it's a long time ago, uh, 2021. Darius Prince is Darius Prince. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. And, of course, when you look on the defensive side of the ball, you have Nick Haig and you have Brandon Cisse. Those guys, I know, you piss them off, they're going to wreak, wreak havoc. And they have the chip on their shoulder. I look at this game, and Albany is trying to find themselves, trying to rebuild themselves, trying to you know get back to their ways. The guys in Orlando, they helped build the Albany way. They were the founders of the Albany way. Now they're in Orlando. You think they don't have some – you know something to settle on this Friday night. So this game is going to be intense. This is going to be a playoff game. These two 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 teams are not rivals. Tomorrow night they're going to be rivals, and possibly we have. Well, we have two, we already have we know we have two MVPs playing this game tomorrow night because um, Jonathan Bain won MVP years ago in the NAL. The goat is the defending MVP. Brandon Cisse has multiple defense, defensive awards. Nick Hag has been at multiple defensive players awards. Uh, Brandon Fuentes, Josh Jenkins, Lonnie Outlaws had some NAL second team appearances. The, this Orlando team is full with veterans. And when we talked about with Jonathan Bain is the overall chemistry that had to be initialized. Now they've had a couple of days of practice. They you know, came back from that road trip to San Antonio. They've been gelling. Had some walkthroughs. They have their focus, and knowing that team, if they catch on fire at the wrong, the right time with majority of their home, the next second half at home, games at home, they're going to be scary and it's going to be threat. But it comes down to this game. Albany yes. also has something to prove too. Roland Rivers has something to prove too. Fabian Guerra has some something to prove too. There are guys on that Albany team that have something to prove. It's just this game is going to be so intense and so exciting. You can't predict the game because you don't know what to expect. We know what Orlando can do because we saw them last week. It's been now two weeks since Albany's played. New coach, Maurice Leggett's now a coach. He was a player two weeks ago now as a coach, so you don't know what his style is going to be. So there's going to be that little bit of a transition period early in the game. But some key get, keys to this game for, for Albany. Keep it to a one-score game as much as possible before you can start getting your stuff together. Yeah. If you have a Showing if you go out there and you're down two, three scores in the first half, I think Orlando and that coaching staff are not going to be one of those type of coaching staff this game. They're like, you know, we're going to just take it easy. No, they're going to be a team, in my opinion. This is just my opinion. They're going to put the foot in the pedal to the metal, and they're going to try to break the scoring record. That's the mentality I, I, I feel from Orlando right now. They don't care. They know they're better than you, and they're going to try to beat you and run you out of the building. The key to the game for Albany, keep it as close as you can. Make it a fourth quarter game and let them stress, like, why we're not blowing out Albany. Do that, Albany. You have players that can – Fabian Gary has been on some good teams. Roland Rivers has started learning. Starks has been on good defensive teams. So they have players that they can make plays. And they got Neesmith, a guy who's had veterans in the NAL, came from yes. another league from uh, another former team in the NAL. And now he's on there. So you have some veterans there that have been there and have done that. Keep it a one-score game in the second half. Do not survive the storm, Albany. Survive it. 
Because if you don't survive a storm in the first couple of first couple of possessions, this game could get ugly and ugly quickly because the guys on the other side of the field have something to prove. And honestly, if you're a fan of the NAL over the last couple of weeks, you know the reason why. But for Orlando, you had a tough game in Albany, or a tough game in uh, Carol, uh, excuse me, San Antonio. Name all the teams besides San Antonio. You had a tough game in San Antonio last week, but you showed signs of uh, this is going to be a good connection. The Bain, the CJ Williams connection is going to be good. Bain, the Prince is going to be good. Now they had another week for Orlando. Get off to that fast start because we know you want to get to that fast start and you want to go out of the gates blitzing. And, you know, in this game, prove a point and move on to next week when the Carolina Cobras come into town. That's Orlando's mindset. That's your key there. Galdgate, hot. Albany, keep it as one as close as a one-score possession game as long as possible. Make Orlando sweat in the fourth quarter. If it's a one-possession game in the fourth quarter – then it's going to be very intense. I really – how the things have been going on this past week, this game's going to be tense incidentally because the vibe I'm getting from Orlando, they just want to get to this game, end this game early, and cruise into the sunset. If this is a fourth quarter game, one possession game, oh, boy, we're going to have some exciting fourth quarter action. And honestly, for a Friday night game, which later tonight, you can't ask for any more entertainment for the arena football game to have a dawning of a rivalry between these two teams. And usually with rivalries, there's something unexpected that happens that flips the game. And I guarantee we'll see it in Amway tonight um, in the national Olympics. So yeah, yeah I, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely say I won't, I'll call this more one that's been circle on the map, less, uh, less rivalry just because the circumstances at play this year have kind of Correct. forced it is yes. what it is. So I'll, I'll leave it. That's my own thought. Um, but we'll find out, you know, it could, it could be wrong. Um, my thing is I'm looking at Orlando, simple thing. You know, you've talked at length and you were, you've been right since the, out of the bat, since the guys from the empire have come by, how well does this team gel? Can you live up to the potential that's on paper on your roster sheet? Cause that's what I think a lot of people have been looking at or, some of the chatter on our own social pages amongst fans has been is, you know, Hey, this is a pretty talented on paper roster. You know, Preds fans are now going, Hey, let's, let's get the ball rolling, man. You know, it's, it's time to go now or never, you know? And, I, and then if you're looking at the Albany empire, you know, empire fans, it's been a year for you. Um, I think the, their main question they're sitting here and it's mine too, is who's playing QB. And I think that was the biggest thing that's come out recently in the transaction wire is that, you know, Rolling Rivers is still there. However, now you have Mo Leggett as your head coach. Ben Bennett's not there as the OC anymore, by the way. And they just signed Jeffrey Legree from the Orlando Predators. He was recently let go. And you do wonder who's going to get that snap to start. I'm not even, I'm, I'll make a prediction, but I'm not even certain who it'll be because as much as Roland has been playing, you could argue Jeffrey could slide in because he's been in this league a few years. Yep. You know, if you want a young team to have some sort of, you know, arena experience, he would be your choice, but that comes down to what Mo Mo wants to do. And, you know, Pete Porcelli still on that team. And I think as much as I know Mo can do this, Pete's definitely to me, as much as he's no line coach, he is definitely to me, I consider him an advisor um, slash co head coach at this point, because he was there 
previous week. And he is definitely going to be helping out a lot more than just as an O line gig with that. Um, that being said, that's, that's my point. I think you wonder about that because you do have Fabian Gary. You can lean on. You still have, you still have Daquan Patton who has been coming on when he's had his chances to get if throws gone his way. Your line's got to step up, which is going to be a little bit hard of an ask, given that that line has been rotating out pieces with its releases uh, previous to some of the chaos with that first big release of talent or just trying to find new guys now with the cycle of coaches and mm-hmm. players coming in. So hard task to be there. But if you can – got to pick QB. I think it will come down – my key choice will be the QB position in this game. doesn't matter who it is there because if you – whoever gives you the best opportunity to keep up, because I don't see Orlando being behind the eight ball again this time. Uh, that's your best bet to me. So um, I'm watching the Albany Empire for that because I need to see the guy who's the most competent and who can get the ball out and deliver on time. Roland is good if he, as we saw, Roland can be good if you get that shotgun snap. Uh, he is last game two weeks ago, he was not ready for under center. And I don't see them changing that. If he's in Jeffrey has done that before, even if it's been in limited capacity, he's at least played the arena game to where he can go under center and get it out when needed. So that's my key to the game. What's yours real quick, Jim? We're doing the, we're doing this now. So we, I, I got to hear, hear that. If you, the other side, what are you, who are you, who are you looking at in Orlando? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking for uh, the beast himself, Brandon Cissé. Uh, let's see how he controls the Lions scrimmage. Uh, he's been very quiet the last couple of weeks. He had a couple of good plays against Orlando and against West Texas. But uh, let's see what he does against a – it looks like right now, based on the roster from um, Albany, a very inexperienced line. Um, but you got Freddie Booth Floyd. You got Brian Cissé right there, uh, the anchor in the middle for Orlando. And you got Nick Hag. Uh, one of the best linebackers ever played the game back there. Uh, it's going to be see how Orlando's front five contains, or how they you know, how they go after Albany's offensive line. How can Albany adjust? Uh, but it comes down to Brian Cisse, uh the NA, for NAL first team, NAL second team. The guy has so many awards uh, in the L. Uh, he's you know he's been around the block. He knows when to turn it on. So I think Brian Cisse is a an individual in this game to look out for, and he's my keys game. I would say, even say this: if Brandon Cisse gets a sack in this game, Orlando wins this game. Yeah, I think that's a good. I think it's a good choice, and I think that you are absolutely right. Before we dive into our picks, let's get into an, a conversation with another more recent pred, uh, recent Albany Empire QB uh, was ready to be the Gunslingers quarterback. He's been a little bit around the block everywhere, even outside the league uh, for a few games this year. Uh, in the indoor scene. Um, and it's a good buddy of the show, obviously. And we're glad to get to talk with him once more. I'm glad he's back in the NAL. Uh, sit back and relax. we got Jonathan Bain for you this week, jumping on, kind of talking about this game, talking about his season, you know, maybe uh, some things about his career moving forward. And really good, really good conversation. You trust me, we always have a good time with, jo- with Jonathan. Uh, you're going to enjoy it too. So we'll catch you on the other side, give you your picks before we cap up. Check out for this evening before you go into the games. I know I stuttered there. I did a porky pig <laughs> type of thing. Uh, but yeah, go in, go on, check it out. We'll see you on the other side. Uh, here you go. 
Welcome everyone into our latest edition of our Inside the Walls podcast interview series, obviously bringing you the latest from the best of the best in the National Arena League and some of the brightest faces from the NAL that we get to talk to on a weekly basis, More even coming in twice a week now, wild stuff, but hey, we love more interviews all the same with some of these great players from the National Arena League, and of course this week we're bringing on somebody who is no stranger to inside the walls and someone who is wearing a lot of hats these days uh, for one reason or, or another. It's been a year uh, and it has been a wild ride, but he is as always a legend in the NAL. It is Jonathan Bain quarterback now for the Orlando predators <laughs> coming in to this week, his second game coming up. Uh, hey, Bain, how we, how we feeling, man? Uh, it's been kind of a, a roller coaster seems a little light on the side of describing your uh, your season your journeys around because i mean it's it's taking you from here outside of the league and back in with now three different teams that you've had at least some sort of contract with how, how are you doing right now hey man we're uh, first of all thank y'all for having me on uh i always appreciate what y'all have done from this league from when y'all started this thing man uh but second about me man i'm great uh blessed with an opportunity to just play the game that i love you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's been a roller coaster ride this season. Uh, something you you can't ever prepare for. Something like that. Paid happening, uh, but you know we're here. And at the end of the day, man, uh, it's just a blessing to be out here and play the game you love, do what you love, and uh, you know, and, and to be a part of such a historic organization like uh, Orlando is is just impressive in itself. And I'm very appreciative of that opportunity. Uh, so. I'm doing fine, man. As long as we're getting to sling the rock, you know, it's a, it's always a blessing and, and, and I'm going to enjoy it while I'm here. Well, I'll tell you, we were glad to see you back, you know, really now is it three weeks ago that we were talking about four actually just kind of get to get that break to get over to Orlando. But, you know, it was great to see you back coming into the league period, you know, had to step aside after some after early talks about what we were discussing with San Antonio. Um, but, you know, went back with Albany kind of make your own separate way, come to Orlando again. Um, I'd love to more talk about the Preds right now. Where are the Predators for you right now? It's a weekend, or, well, weekend you've played one game. You've had now multiple weeks of practicing with these guys. I think one of the biggest talking points in the NAL right now is the Predators with a lot of name-on-roster type of discussion where it's like, this is a 1-5 roster, but this does not read as a one and five roster we're we're like between you coach Ware, a lot of these guys that came over from all of I mean, where, where are you guys at with developing this along with just kind of meshing it together because i think the mesh seems like it needs to mesh together for you yeah no that's exactly what it comes down to you know uh definitely on paper this is one of the most talented teams i've played on much less in the league right now and uh but that doesn't matter you know until you really start gelling and and it makes you appreciate the two weeks of camp you get before a season, right? You know, it's that's a chance to get to know your guys, timing, everything. And just with turnover of rosters or whatever it may be, uh, and it's no excuse. You know, we're professional athletes, and, and you got to hit the ground running, especially in a mid, mid-season addition. You know, and that's why they add veteran guys mid-season, you see, you know, because guys that have played the game. But uh, you got to always appreciate and respect the, the work put into the game. And, uh, and it takes time sometimes, you know. And uh, the positive of it is this roster is loaded, you know, from the guys that have been here in Orlando uh, for multiple years or even from the beginning of this season, a lot of talent there. And then the additions of the guys that came in from Albany, um, you know, I uh, 
we had a heck of a week of practice this week, you know, and this will be our second week together. And that's what I told them right now. You know, hope, we were hoping to come out with a win this past Saturday uh, or Sunday, sorry, against a good uh, San Antonio team. Uh, unfortunately, we lost that one. But uh, this week, you know, uh, it, we could have win either way, right? You know, you got guys, you're one in five. That's tough, you know, but the guys oh, yeah. really uh, showed up and showed out as a whole, you know, from offense, defense, special teams, just the execution and the way guys were moving around, flying around, uh, just seemed like a different ball club. And, um, you know, and, and you hope that's what this is, right? You hope that's the gelling and the meshing and the, the brotherhood you form. And, uh, and you got to have it to be successful in this game. You just do, man. Uh, you, um, you gotta, you gotta want to fight for each other. You gotta want to go, you know, give your last for, for each other. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what we put on the field tomorrow. Uh, being our second week together, this exact group, our second week. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to some big things and, and going on a run, but more importantly, just taking it week by week, man. Uh, like we said, we had talked earlier, uh, it don't matter what the standings are, as long as long as we just take care of our job each and every week and, and let the chips fall where they may, uh, that's all we can do and that's all we can control. Because uh, if you start looking at the outside factors and, and worrying about how many games do in my back, how many games – you know, well, then you're not you're not being where your feet are, you know, and being where your feet are. I mean that by Monday, you know, getting to work, going to work, finishing, stacking days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We have a game Friday this week, so we're playing. But, you know, every day just stacking good days, man, trying to get better, working on the little things. And uh, and we're going to be a dangerous team. I can tell you that we just, you know, got to get it all clicking. And, uh, you know, tomorrow's going to be a good, uh, good chance for us to uh, hit the ground running. Yeah, it, it's going to be for you guys. I mean, you get to rally behind that home crowd that, you know, I tell you, one of the, one of the loyalist fan bases in the league right now for kind of the up and up and down with the return of the franchise being how it is since it's returned in the NAL form. Um, you played obviously against that <laughs> against that crowd. It is uh, it is rowdy out in the out in that jungle. Um, how is it to have them behind your back now? I mean, you played in the largest in Jacksonville, but I mean. Orlando still, it's no slouch and it's been consistently growing ever since we've started this show. Absolutely, man. That's, uh, I'm excited. Uh, it's by far one of the most, or it is the most beautiful arena I've ever played in. And, uh, the fan base has been phenomenal ever since the beginning. I mean, to date me a little bit, uh, 2016, when I was in Tampa Bay, my first ever arena football game was against uh -huh. the Orlando Predators, uh, in, in Tampa. But I'm, I'm saying that to say, I think Orlando had just as many, if not more, fans there as Tampa Bay did, and uh, you got you, you just respect that as a player. You appreciate it. Uh, those types of fans are, are special people. You know they the they they keep this game going, right? They keep it alive. And uh, to be on this side of things, I'm looking forward to being in the jungle and and having them cheer for you now rather than boo you out of the stadium or or whatever. But uh, it make, makes for a great game, though. You even enjoy it, like I said, as a competitor coming in. You know, when I was on other teams playing in Orlando, uh, it just makes for a great atmosphere for arena football. It's what arena football is all about. And and they know this game just as good as we know this game. You know what I mean? Fans that have been around from the old AFL days, you know, so they're cheering when they need to cheer. They're being loud when they need to be loud. And 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 it's a it's a great atmosphere. I was able to catch the game two weeks ago uh, whenever you, uh, West Texas came into town. And uh, just right. kind of sat back and enjoyed it, and and man, I tell you what, it, it's there's an energy in there that's that's second to none. So uh, I'm excited to be here and being in the jungle and, and being on the uh, Orlando side of things.
before I hand it to Jim, you you make me think when you talk about knowledge of the game, I instantly think of super fan Steve Morris and, and his and yeah. his crew crew of buddies because they, you know, they are as super fan as the as arenas you can get in the NAL. They are like the cream of the crop type of folks, and they're gener- and everyone I've talked to talked to, I've never met them in person. I wish I do because I've heard just they're generous, great people, great fans to be be with. Uh, both uh, Steve and Nancy. You know those two um and it's good to have those type of folks in orlando to have support in your back uh jim I, I mean you know i mean it's 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 good to have that but also makes for good rivalries when you got diehard fans like that, like them as well on that side <laughs> well it's not a rivalry when one side it's the rivalry is one-sided that's the only thing right now well, they've gotten they've gotten wins against the sharks though yeah this, yeah they did this year but it's nah Eight and two overall in the in the NAL. So, anyways, uh, Bane, this is going to be your first official home game. At, you're not traveling. This is your first game not traveling. I don't think you were home. Were you home in? And uh, no, you were visiting all their games. So, Disney, yeah, yeah. How does it feel not traveling for a game for once? <laughs> this season? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm glad I'm just here for more than one week. Right. First of all, uh, first oh, and that's foremost. True. <laughs> No, I, I'm glad to be home. Uh, you know, it helps. We had a really short week. I need to talk to set that schedule up. Uh, that was pretty rough going from Texas. You know, you get home late, late Monday or so. Yeah, Monday night. And then you got two days to prepare for a, for a big ball game here at home. But uh, once again, it's a blessing to even have the opportunity to play. So I'm not going to complain too much. But uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be great to be home. You know, you get to sleep in your own bed. All that stuff really matters. You know, you're preparing here. You don't have to get the heavy legs from the plane and all of that. So, uh, you know, uh, we're looking forward to it. And then of course, being in the jungle, there's nothing like it. So, uh, we're all excited, uh, and, and give them something they're proud of, man. You know, these fans, like you said, they've been awesome for years, but, uh, you know, we got to win some games now and, uh, you know, give them something to really cheer about because they come and show out every single week. And that just speaks volume on who they are and, and the type of people and, and, and real fans they are, you know, they're not fair weather fans. These folks are cheering just as loud you know, when you're losing as you are winning. So it'd be fun to see how, how crazy it gets when you are winning games and stringing together a run and uh, making a push for the playoffs. How important is team chemistry? You've only been, what, under a team, what, seven-day practice total? And we could tell in the first game against uh, San Antonio, the first couple of drives looked like you, 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 Clarence Williams, and Prince have been buddies for 10 years. But then as the game progressed, you can tell that there's still something missing. Team chemistry doesn't get talked about a lot in media. It's like, oh, he should be, right. you know, quarterback right. A should be doing this because he's a vet and quarterback and the receiver should right. be because there's so many different, it's not so many, well, you even mentioned it the last time you were on the show. Once you know one system, you know all the systems, but there's a difference with, between two systems when the personnel is different. So Absolutely. team chemistry is big. For you, seven days, second week with Orlando, with well, if they were, we still had a Hall of Fame, Hall of Famers with receivers and on that Orlando has, right? How does that help as a player, as yourself, to get ready for your second game after just having like, you know, hurry up and go last week against Orlando? Uh, no, it's you said it best, man. Chemistry is everything, and it is. And anybody you, you talk to that plays this game or knows the game of football in general, not just arena football, this is football in general, 
uh, it takes a second, you know, and I, I, I fall back on, you know, usually you get two weeks of camp before you start a season with your team. Right. Mm-hmm. And I understand that and, and on every team they go through injuries and you got plug and play. Right. Just anything could happen at any moment and you got to be prepared for it. And that's what makes you professionals. Right. Is to be able to step in and uh, and execute whenever you're called upon. Uh, but it, it is a big deal, you know, and then to come in and, and go play a really good team like San Antonio. Right. They're top of the top of the league and. And uh, you got to kind of play mistake-free football when you play those guys. And unfortunately, a couple mistakes cost us that game, right? You know, you feel like you're in it. Um, and then a couple mistakes, you can't afford to do that. And then there you are on the losing end of it. So chemistry is everything, especially at the quarterback position, I feel, with your receivers. Um, I don't even have to go over the receivers' resumes that I have on this team. They kind of speak for themselves. Got an awesome group of guys. A group of guys that have been around a while and then some young guys to throw in the mix, too, which is always great, I feel, with any team, right? You got your old guy, older guys. Sorry, I don't want to call them old because they're still performing at the top of the league. But you got your older guys, vet guys that, uh, you know, can kind of show show the young guys the ropes. You know, you can coach it and teach it so many times. But when you're out there as a young guy and you see the way this receiver runs this route and why he does what he does, you know, uh, and why it's successful, you know, I think that's a easier for guys to pick up and learn and, uh, you know, add to their game. And, you know, with the young guys, you mentioned C.J. Williams and uh, Caleb Walls. and Those are two to name young guys that come in and make an impact whenever they're in and their number's called uh, to go with Lonnie Outlaws and Darius Prince and, you know, who also does an awesome job at the two-way is uh, Dwayne Hollis. You know, you got guys yeah. like that, and they've been in the game. They know the game. And, um, and it makes my job a lot easier too, right, because I can trust them guys. Like, they've been a part of this. And, and with Coach Ware – Man, he is, uh, he's on his stuff, man. Coach Ware's a, a big preparation guy. I mean, he's got the film broke down to a T. We're going to, you know, we do things for a purpose. Um, you know, when he calls a play, you know, we're building this relationship now also, you know, coach and player uh, to where, you know, I want to think exactly like he's thinking, you know, when I, I'm just another version of him on the field. You know what I'm saying? So when he's calling plays, when it comes to executing them, you know, we're seeing the same thing. We're, we're going to the right places with the ball. And, uh, and that just comes with time. And I think we're doing a really good job right now. Like I said, this last week of practice was really good. Uh, gives us a lot of confidence going into this week. Uh, short week, but I don't think guys are thinking about that, you know, as much as they are trying to get this thing back on track, you know. And uh, it starts with one week. Uh, I'll say it a million times. We can't look ahead. Man, we got a game tomorrow. Uh, and, and we got to go out there and whatever it takes, we got to come out with a win. And that's all three phases from the – Offense, defense, special teams, you know, and we've been just preaching execute, execute, execute. And, uh, and, and you know, like I said, let the chips fall where they may, but we got to do what we can and control what we can control. And uh, like I said, we've had a great week of preparation to, to uh, put a good product out there tomorrow. Yeah, attention to detail, preparation, obviously key, no matter the length, the length or duration you got until the next game. A little bit different, though, because – uh, it's only the second it's a, of the two Friday games this year. You have to, you have to join up and be on the second one. Uh, funny it would have been possibly one way or another, depending on the two teams meeting up. But is there any, any concern coming in about short week? You know, we hear about it in the NFL, but we don't usually have to deal with that in the NAL, except this year, we're kind of dabbling in a bit of the Friday games more so uh, than last season. Um, has there been any conversation about that? in general team wise, or is it just standard week? We got one less day. Yeah, I think, yes. I mean, it, to be real, your football players, right. That, that week getting home late Monday night, you got heavy legs, you're fresh off the game. Uh, that's a 
good travel, you know, halfway across the country uh, and then wake up the next day and get to practice. Right. You don't really have that true recovery day. Uh, but like I said, we were fortunate enough to get out of this game this past week uh, for the most part, injury free. Right. The guys are uh, not as banged up as, you know, you get sometimes. So that was fortunate. And uh, we got a great training staff with Miss Jill. Uh, she's awesome and, and got us hooked up with, uh, you know, a lot of any of the recovery that we need in order to be successful. So, uh, you know, guys just doing their part, taking care of their bodies. You know, you only everybody knows their body better, you know, than anybody else. So, um, you know, and that just comes to just trusting your teammates. We tell we, we preach that too. you know, we it's a brotherhood, man. And we trust whatever you're doing on and off the field affects what we do as a whole on game day. You know, and that's recovery, how you eat, how you sleep, what you put into your body, what you know. And, uh, you know, and that's that's what it comes down to. But it's a team full of vets, uh, some really good ones, you know, even on that defensive side of the ball with with all them guys, man. We're, we really got a team, a, a lot of experience. And uh, we're just looking to get over that hump, man. Winning's contagious. Right. You just got to get that one win to kind of, you know, get you back going and, and get you. And, and who knows, at that point, I feel it'll be a snowball effect. Right. And you just keep rolling. Uh, mm -hmm. It was kind of in a situation like this back in 2018 with the Maine Mammoths. Y'all remember we started out one and five and then kind of ran the tables the rest of the season, but, uh, you know, missed out on the, the playoffs by a half a game, I believe. So, you know, it is what it is with that. You just got what I learned from that, though, is just staying focused, controlling what you can control, ignoring the outside noise and uh, just worrying about what you got going, man. And, and that's the group of guys. That's the 21 guys or 25 total, I guess you have on your roster, the coaches and uh, the ownership, you know, that's, it's just on us as a core group to stick together, trust one another, and uh, go to war for one another, man. That you know, that's where the brotherhood and chemistry comes in, and and I think that's what we got, and what everybody's going to get a chance to see uh, Friday night. Well, certainly, it's good to have again. We re-reference you got that massive home stretch ending the year. Uh, not right. have the best possible, I think, to many people's eyes, chance of getting something where it's at least a comfort zone that you can kind of build around. You know. And have that fandom behind your back even even down even down right now where you're at you still can right. week by week i get that little bit of boost knowing that i can have anywhere from four to seven thousand fans <laughs> next right. week that will be saying don't worry no matter what happens we're here and we're going to make it tough <laughs> yeah and you love that right that that matters that ninth man you know that ninth man it's preached all over the league but uh there, there's a handful of uh of uh venues like like the amway as a sense of like the crowd the noise and and that does play an effect you know and uh being the opposing team when you're trying to make a call the snap count the cadence all of those little bitty things we talk about right they seem so minor but they do play a huge role in the game of football you know and and uh then it's on us to execute right give them something to cheer about getting something to give them something to be louder about and and uh be proud of and and uh like i said i'm looking forward to it man we got a good feeling going on down here in orlando uh, we're not where you ever want to be one in five, but we sure. can't think about it, man. It's talked about enough. We don't, who cares, man? You can't, there's nothing we can do to control it now. Right. Uh, right. Well, you're, yeah, we you're in the city and, and you're, run. you're there where you're there. Yep. So that's what we're looking forward to. Predators. <laughs> Seeing yeah. in Orlando, the dimensions of the field are different. You've played the similar dimensions in Carolina and this season it's been, the curvature of Jacksonville and Orlando and San Antonio. Right. As a quarterback, how does the dimensions of the end zones, you know, determine 
certain routes, certain play calls. Oh, you love it as a quarterback, man. Uh, honestly, I think if you ask across the board, uh, DBs, right, they're always taught man coverage, uh, stay inside, stay inside, don't let them cross your face. So, mm -hmm. honestly, the hardest route to cover is the corner route, mm -hmm. uh, running the corner away from your, uh, your, your safety. And uh, with the square end zone, it actually allows you just a couple more yards to be able to put the ball up and out, you know, and have your receiver be able to run under it, even in tight coverage. So uh, um, I believe every quarterback in the league will tell you it does it does help you a little bit and you want to use that to your advantage uh, on the deeper balls and even in the red zone. Right. So the red zone, it's already tight as it is with, you know, there's 16 guys in a tight area, you know, eight on eight. And uh, with that, the few extra yards, because it is a game of just inches in this game. Uh, those few extra yards really allow you to uh, to throw different types of balls to help and in, in work in the offense's advantage. So, um, you know, we were able to get in there today and kind of feel that, see that. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I'm excited for it as a quarterback. You just love that, having that little – I mean, it's only a 50-yard field as it is. So when we're talking three yards, you know, extra in those corners, I mean, you do the math, that's almost a tenth of the field. You know, five yards is a tenth of the field. So you're, you're getting extra space to be able to uh, – you know, run different route concepts and more spacing down there. And, and that's what you look for in, in those situations. And fortunately, we got that at home where you said we, I think, four out of the next five games will be. So um, we're looking forward to getting in here and getting rolling. Also, it's a risk or war. We saw it last week, the Nets. You threw a couple yeah. passes the Nets that hurt you, and you threw a Hail Mary off of the Nets. Um, that yeah. Finally got counted on the website. Uh no. Dealing with the we'll Nets, like me and Zach have been talking to other players about why are why are quarterbacks not throwing it at the Nets uh, in like a hell mary type of situation. At your quarterback, so you play in the league, you know you understand. And you first were introduced to this game with the Nets. Uh, yeah. How odd or not odd? How how do you determine? Okay, we're gonna throw a hell mary here. Is it just wing it or just hopefully your guys are down there? Or is it just more of just pure luck for the Nets for a Hail Mary type of thing like it is in the uh, game? Yeah, that can gotta, kind of go two ways, right? Like, you never want to rely on the net. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, man, we're going to drop a play. I'm going to throw it right here. You're going to go, you know, it's going to bounce to you right over there. Uh, I do think it can play in the effect, right? It hurts you like the, the tip ball in the end zone. Usually it would fly out of the back of the end zone. You live to fight another down. This time it tips off the back of the end zone and the DB that's not even guarding the receiver is the one making the play. You know, it's just – it's uh, it makes the game cool, right? That's what that's what they're there for. But uh, – and then on the flip side of that, uh, at the end of the game last week with three seconds left on the clock, they have all three DBs sitting in the end zone. More times than not, you're not going to probably be able to just drop a dime in the end zone. Uh, mm -hmm. So I saw the way our routes were designed. You know, we had two guys kind of running a double post type look. And uh, so I had a six seven six eight Lonnie Outlaw over there, and I had you know the league MVP, reigning league MVP Darius Prince, and uh, I actually just said why not, you know, just heave it off the net. They're at the back of the end zone. Darius does a heck of a job on kickoff return, receiving the ball off the net, mm -hmm. and uh, what do you know? He came down with the ball, and uh, that was cool. Like I said, it's I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, man, we're we're going to design an offense to go off the net, but it can play to your advantage right there in that point, right? You got a guy that receives it off six, seven times a game on kickoff return. Why not give him a chance, right? Uh, you got guys back there, DBs, that may not be receiving it off the net, may not know how it bounces off the net. And as you saw, he was standing by himself when he did catch it, right? There was guys around him, but 
technically there was nobody even contesting that that catch mm -hmm. and so it did work out in that you know sense and you uh they they were good for us the other night and they were bad so uh you enjoy the nets that's the original game but uh yeah i guess depending on how the ball bounces for you is whether you like them or not <laughs> <laughs> i i i think when you made you made it sound so easy when you said i got a six foot seven lonnie altwa back there and a former mvp or in a current MVP, not former, but you get the point, multiple-time MP, MVP or Offensive Player of the Year, whatever you name it, multi-award winner in Darius Prince. It's, it kind of makes it sound easy. You know, not every team gets gets that. Um, I do exactly. – I found a unique question I think you can answer, or at least I think I have a good opinion on. It was something I, I was having a chat with a buddy of mine, and, you know, we're watching other leagues. You know, we're the only, we're the only league with Nets right now. And right. the question was, well, why doesn't the NAL kick more field goals? And I'm sitting here, I'm going, you know, we don't really do that. But I gave him the thought and said, well, now even more so, you know, first off, you're going to have a return. And second off, you're going to have, if you want, you're more likely to me to score with getting your drive going and getting a first down on fourth down than going for a field goal with the kind of the, less of a gap to kick through with a field goal. Um, you can still score a touchdown on a fourth and 10 more easily, or at least easily, or at least in a similar rate. I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? Cause I mean, our league, our league doesn't really kick field goals. It, it's, it happens every now right. and then I see newer teams that come over from different leagues. They, they try it and then they abandon it within a few games. Right. I mean, it's gotta be because of efficiency. Now the nets, it almost feels like it, there's very little incentive unless it's like coming down to the wire at a half or towards the right. end and you're within three? Well, uh, I guess two things, right? I, I don't think in the National Arena League, the arena style of game, that you can win games kicking field goals often. You know what I mean? Just because it's so quick to score and and you don't want to get caught chasing uh, and settling, if you will, for field goals, uh, unless it is, like you said, there's five seconds left in the half, you're backed up on the 20, you know, there's not a whole plays in your a lot of plays in your playbook that you can just draw up and, and have somebody just running wide open uh, with them being cognitive of where the end zone is and what your goal is. Uh, but two, or I say most importantly, uh, you got to think who's on your field goal unit, right? It's a bunch of old linemen. No disrespect to those guys. Uh, you got to love them. But uh, I don't think their specialty is running down and tackling, you know, a, a skill guy. And uh, on top of that, you got a quarterback usually or somebody holding and your kicker. I love and appreciate everybody I just named, right? Your old linemen, your big guys, your kicker, your quarterback. But uh, is that somebody you really want going down tackling like a Khalil Rashad or, you know, a Darius Prince or, you know, any of those types, Adam Smith, all these guys who are having success returning, uh, nothing to take away from their return skills. But in that sense, you know, you make one guy miss you got a chance to take it back for six. So you're almost better off trusting in your offense to get the first down. And then, uh, you know, if you don't get it, well, you make them drive to go score a touchdown rather than, mm -hmm. I don't want to say it's a freebie, uh, but there's a, the, the odds there, you know, you're, 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 you're playing with fire if you're deciding to kick and it does miss and he gets a clean catch. Well, now you got big guys trying to make it. The guys who don't tackle, let me put it that way. Guys who sure. aren't practicing anybody. Sure. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. That That's just, to me, yeah. it's, I know I, I I'm going to ask the same question when, eventually once we get another, ki another kicker on this show, but it was just this week, I was like, 
I have to bring this up to a player's side, especially, you know, like for you, I mean, you, you want to go score, you want to get points, you know, yep. it's, it's not just as simple as the outdoor game where it's like, well, we're, you know, sure. We'll right. sacrifice. Okay. And we'll go and live another yep. down. It's like, uh, if you give a possession up here one way or another, like three points, go back the other way and score, you know, score four or score a plus four. Then you get the deuce and it's 10. Now you're <laughs> you basically you're, are swinging it huge yep. at that point. So what, what Bain's basically saying, translating, we had another quarterback previously who's kind of third co-host here on the show, uh, saying that quarterbacks don't want – they don't trust kickers because they'll get the team down there and the kicker shanks it. Uh, this is basically Mason Espinosa. He goes, don't trust a kicker. I don't. He goes, I don't care if it's Evan Terry. Don't trust a kicker. I'm like, dang, oh, yeah. Mason, really? Well, I love – hey, man, I love him. I, I do hear what he's saying. Mason, I feel you, brother. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, I mean, and, and in this game alone, man, just how much scoring's going on three points usually doesn't do much for you really don't because that can be made with a deuce and a rouge, you know, and there's your three points made up, you know, or whatever you can get it in multiple ways. But, uh, on the flip side of that, it's, I'm not going to say it's easy, but I think it's a lot higher percentage to complete the fourth and 10 ball, uh, just based on, you got a whole open playbook. Uh, I mean, heck, nowadays you can even throw the wall route, you know, a, a two yard route. And if they're in zone coverage, he can pick up 12 and then there's your first, you know. So right. uh, I think you do want to keep it in, in your offense's hands in this game particular. Uh, now, if you're in a fourth and 25, fourth and 30 on some crazy holding penalties, I've seen it, you know, but it happens. Uh, then you might consider. But once again, now you got to think you got big guys who ain't used to covering down on kickoff. Well, well that's what their job is at that point, you know. And uh, I love the kickers I play. I've been fortunate enough to play with some really good ones, really, really good kickers with uh, T.C. Stevens, you know, Brandon Bear. Uh, now Barnas is a heck of a kicker himself here in Orlando. But uh, And I tell them, too, uh, I'm the holder. I take pride in it. I love holding, but I, I try to reassure them, like, hey, I just need you to make these extra points. You know, we're going to move the ball. We're going to score on offense. We're, I, I love you to death, but we're not relying on your leg for three every time. You know, it's just not – not what I see arena football being and not how I want the game, you know, to be played. I'd like to get it in our offense's hands and trust, you know, the playmakers that are here and, and uh, to move the ball and, and get in the end zone. But you do need them. You love them. Uh, every point matters, especially now that they're knocking in these deuces, man, that's awesome. You got kickers getting, you know, 12, 14 points a game. That's crazy, man. You know what I mean? That, that helps. That's two touchdowns. They're adding to the scoreboard. So uh, you do appreciate and, and love to have them, but, when it comes to field goals, you know, you I, like I said, I agree with you, Mason. Uh, let's keep it in the quarterback's hands and uh, and, and try to make a play. I I, I knew you. I, I I maybe knew a little you were going to bring that up, but I it, it's still funny the way he brought brought up. And it's more unfortunate, like I said, we know Mason is. We're talking about the same guy that I threw five straight touchdowns in a championship, and we're trailing because we can't yep. hit XPs. That's yep. where that's coming from. That's the only reason that yeah. gets brought up. You know, that's why I started holding. I think it was my first year. A few, I saw a few missed extra points happen after we scored a touchdown, and we were losing, right? And we were going score mm -hmm. for score. And I'll never forget after that. I just said, "Man, I'm going to learn to hold." And I'm, and I promise, I don't care what you think of me as a quarterback. I'm going to be the best holder in the game because I don't want to hear an excuse. I don't, you know, I want them to. And so I take pride in the holds. I do, but I only want to do that for extra points. I, uh, we're going to sling the rock when we got fourth down, or you know, something manageable. We're going to. We're going to give it a go. So uh, appreciate you, kickers. Barnas, looking forward to playing with you down here and seeing you have all the success in the world. But save that leg up for them deuces, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Which have now become a 
a plethora of them now. We had a couple of weeks where we weren't getting deuces. In the last couple of weeks, it's deuces are dropping everywhere now. Uh, Marco here in Jacksonville. <laughs> it Weber still sounds funny Texas. every time. You say it. It sounds funny as good. Yeah, that's, yeah that's the good deuces one. are dropping everywhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Drew Pearson. Uh, shout out to another podcast. Uh, uh, smoking guns. They he mentioned that Drew Pearson. This is what he says. Like, yeah, there's two things I do. I kick deuces and drop deuces. <laughs> there like, you go. I was oh. like, that's a strange oh comment from a kicker. But then again, he, well, he kicks deuces. So that's what he does, man. As funny as it sounds, that's what he does. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. You got to respect those guys. That's a tough job, man. That that field goals are so narrow in this league, and um, and heck, even you get them guys that get the bar balls. That's huge, right? That's almost like a massive side kick, but that down on the other end of the field. But if it bounces just right, and you got your your kick coverage is is hauling ass, you know that that's a huge play in the game. Even for the one point, you know, you talk about points and getting them back and say you get the Rouge and they missed an extra point. Well, you know, that's that's things that start adding up. And uh, yeah, so so uh, you definitely appreciate the kicking game and the Nets when it comes to that aspect. <laughs> well, I think I think that is a good cover. I think we've had a great time on here with you, with you, a good Mr. Bain, as I call it. I don't I, I still call you still weird calling you Jonathan because I'm usually OK with calling people John, but. You know, yeah. hey, you call me John. I, that I sound. I feel like my mom's yelling at me or something. If you call me Jonathan, I ain't gonna lie. Oh, uh, all right. Well, that's fair. You know, I, I, it's, uh, it's, it's what I'm getting yelled at on the field or whatever. It's always been Bane, and uh, but yeah, Jonathan is. It always sounds weird. I have a guy at practice always uh, used to just walk up and be like, "Hey, Jonathan." I'm like, "What?" Like it just throws me off. I, you know, I had a coach yell Jonathan, and I won't let. You know, it don't trigger like where I look up. I'm not ignoring him, but it just don't register sometimes because it's always been Bane, but uh yeah uh, either way I, i've been called worse so i kind of answer just about anything nowadays so bane. well i'll go with bane i'll go with bane again even though we've done the same dance before but look look it is great it's great to have you on great to have you back in the league uh good to get to converse um gonna be a fun time on friday you know obviously we're talking before you know this show drops so you know it's going to be if you're watching now you'll be like oh yeah i can't wait to see him tonight, tonight. when i go yeah. out there by the way um if you haven't done that go get your tickets by the way it should be a fun time out out in the out in amway always a good one crowds rowdy it's a fun team should be a very fascinating battle um all things considered on or off field as we've discussed this week so you know should be a fun game. I'm not. I'm just gonna go beyond that. You, you go check. Go check out this man slinging the rock out there on the turf. Uh, one of the best to do it in the league. We're we're glad to have you on. Always a great conversation with you on this show. Man, I appreciate y'all. I really do. Got so much respect for what y'all do. Like I mentioned earlier, and uh, shout out to all the fans out there, all the players as well. I know what you go through and what you're putting in to put a product out there for this game. Uh, it's a really special game. Uh, we just all need to be appreciative of the opportunity to play it. Um, and I always tell our guys here, we don't get to play. Uh, we don't have to play it. We get to play it. Right. So right. appreciate everybody involved in this arena game, uh, been in it for a while and, and don't, uh, plan on being out here in any time soon. So, uh, looking forward to being in the Amway back in the jungle and, uh, don't sleep on the predators. Uh, we're, we're coming and, uh, you know, we got to take care of business starting this week, but uh, I'm excited to see the, what the future holds here in Orlando. Thanks again to Jonathan Bain, quarterback for the Preds, joining us. As always, it's a, it's a pleasure between for Jim and I to get to chat with him. Uh, he's always uh, he's always been kind to us, always been a friend of the show to us, and uh, 
you know, one way or another, I think even if he wasn't in the NAL, we would bring him on the show because he, he still follows this league, you know, no matter where he's at, he follows hardcore with it. Um, but yeah, great. Dude I don't even consider it an interview anymore. We, it's not really interview vein. It's always conversation. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's more conversation. That, it's just that we had to record it separate because of timing is the yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's more of a conversation. People have mentioned, why you he asked this question? Why you ask these questions? Well, with Bain, it's more of like when you start talking to guy, talking about football, you can look at the clock and you go, oh, wow, that's four hours later and we're still talking about football. It's one thing that I have respect for Bain and a lot of players in this league. Uh, Devin Wilson, Mason Espinosa, Kendrick Gaines, Sam Castronova, and then just a few. Uh, it's the, the knowledge of the game is so interesting to me. It's like that's why I love the arena game so much because it's a different aspect of football. And I'm a football fan. I love the NFL. I love college. But in the offseason, their sport, we have our season. And I love this league. And I love just digging in the minds of quarterbacks and the mindset that these guys go through uh, playing the game and how they strategicalize. And I don't even think that's a word. Um, <laughs> strategize. What you strategize. Were strategize there we go. Yeah, I, I, I just, I left at you I... before the interview and you, you got me on what, this one. Let's add that to the uh, inside the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Strategicalize this one. That, that, well, that's like straight out of like a, out of a Charles Barkley skit on, on NBA tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. It's time for the pick them, everybody. The moment you've been waiting for. Let's see what we're doing right now. As you saw last week, we did split one. We were wondering who was going to come out on top. Well, sure enough, the Preds did fall at Freeman Coliseum to the Gunslingers. That means that I get a one-game advantage over Jim. That doesn't mean that that's going to be anything, because knowing us, it'll tie back up or swing back the other way. It's how it always goes. Um, so I'm 15-8 and eight for the season. Jim's 14-9 and nine after a split difference in one of these contests this week. Let's see if we're going to be on the same page or if we're going to be talking about one way or another, starting off with two with one of the two Saturday matches and then kind of working in reverse Fayetteville traveling to the shark tank to take on the Jacksonville sharks. Uh, Mustangs, as we've talked coming off a marquee win against the Carolina Cobras, Jacksonville, they have been just rolling over opponents, although a little bit less of an efficient affair credit. That was because West Texas defensively are much, are much more stout than some others in the NAL. That being said was still 58 points. That's no slouch to put up for any arena game. Still got to feel good. Uh, as much as I like the story about Fayetteville and as much as I know their social media team got on our ends about not picking them, they're going to do it again. And I, I think that well, why not? We'll throw it as a chip on their shoulder type of affair. I've got the sharks and it's just, it's too, it's too efficient on all three phases. We didn't even talk about Marco Rosco for crying out loud. And that man really shouldn't even be kicking in the NAL. He should be in a outdoor league. Like that's how good he is. And that's not an offense thing. We've said it before. He's that good. We're lucky to have him as a premier kicker in this league. Um, the Sharks are just overall that well-faceted. I'll give I'll give credit to the Mustangs. They'll make it a fun game, without a doubt. It'll be close. They played them close last time. I just think that this one, it's a little overwhelming. I got to take Jacksonville until pretty wrong. And you know, if they do it again, great. I get to get yelled at by the social admin for, for the Fayetteville Mustangs, which will be even more hilarious because we can play that up next week. But give me the Sharks at home. Get the Sharks at home. That's... Uh, 
everyone knows about the Jacksonville Sharks and the Shark Tank, how they play, how everything goes, and how everything is, you know, set forth. Uh, like I said in the pregame and how to make predictions in the game, how can Jacksonville or how can Fayetteville execute this op- this game? Who's going to contain Cato? Who's going to contain Castronova? Who's going to be the, the guy who, you know, stands out about the rest? Like, a, does Kendrick Gaines have a breakout game? Does, I don't know, does Sam have or Kyam Solomon have? There's certain things in this game that I look at that I really want to see a team like, uh, I don't know, like Fable do one day. Like, go out the way, get themselves a big win, and skyrocket through the top of the standings. Unfortunately, this week, as much as saying we acknowledge, we acknowledge you, you did beat Carolina in Carolina, which is a good win, but Jacksonville is a different beast than Carolina. This game is going to be a close one, one possession game. I think Kendrick Gaines has a breakout game. Um, breakout game means a touchdown return, a couple of touchdowns, and maybe an interception. I think he'll be the Iron Man of the week, um, in my opinion, for uh, Fayetteville Mustangs. But Fayetteville will score points, but they can't score enough. Jacksonville gets to 60 again in their home building. Close game, but I like the Sharks in a 62-52 type of matchup. It'll be an exciting game. It'll be a stressor in the fourth quarter, but Jacksonville pulls away in the fourth to win. Solid stressor in the fourth quarter. I think that's a good description for any any Mustangs affair with any of the teams at the top is that these two, like I said, Fanville, they keep up. When you have Rakeem Cato win, they play you tough. You have to play a full game too. It's just which one slips up. We just think that Jacksonville's got a little bit more to kind of finish the job, but hey, you never know, man. We said that about Carolina last week, so we'll find out this week. Meanwhile, over in West Texas, heading on over to Odessa, to the hangar, to Top Gunner's home, his own arena, where we're looking at a possible record crowd, as Jim said, with the Warbirds. They are hosting the Carolina Cobras, who are traveling on the road to try and forget about what happened back home the week prior against their in-state rival. Uh, Carolina, 4-2. and two. Still up there at the top three in the league, but they're coming in against the West Texas team. As we've been saying, the project car keeps getting better as the weeks go by. This will not be an easy out if they are going to want to get their fifth win of the season. And the question is, do they have enough gas in the tank to get over the hump of an improving West Texas Warbird squad? And do they slow down Mitch Kidd and get enough pressure on him to make things a little bit erratic for the gunslinger himself out there in West Texas, or as I call him, Mitch the Kid. Well, I got to tell you right now, um, I still have faith in the Cobras as a whole roster. I did call them one of the more fully adapted three-phase teams in the NAL a few weeks back. I'm still sticking with that. Off nights do happen, and Fayetteville, as we said, is good. They They got their stuff locked down. I do believe Carolina comes on the road. They do get a win. It will be a tight, fun affair for those in attendance and those watching. West Texas is a fun team right now to watch. They're scrappy. They have a chance to upset, I think, anyone any week right now. And you should not be surprised if you see an upset affair. I'm going to pick Carolina because I do think 
with James Fuller and company with that roster and as returning pieces are getting healthier or returning this week that they do get the job done. But it'll be a fun one. Just down the wire like last time, it'll be on the edge of your seat. Give me the Cobras. Well, you got the Cobras. That's interesting. Um, this game's going to be one of the tighter games in, in, in this season. Um, first matchup was one possession, came down the very uh, – T.C. Stevens-Deuce was, was the difference. Um, this time it's in Odessa. This time it's with a an offense that's more potent than previous uh, iteration of the West Texas Warbirds. Uh, Carolina is traveling to West Texas as a hell of a road trip. I think Carolina does get their offense back into the full of things. But I think West Texas as well continues on their success. And unlike last week, they couldn't do it. This week they will. They pull off the upset and knock off the Carolina Cobras um, at home uh, to get back in the mix of things. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. The split. The split. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'll be fun. I, I think I, that one, I, I don't knock you. I really don't. I like where the Warbirds are going. So that, that will be a fun one. I can see you making a game back on this. I just got to go with my gut on this, and I do have Carolina. But finishing things off, game of the week, Albany Empire traveling on the road. It's been two weeks. Coaching change once again. Mo Leggett retiring, becoming a head coach. Roster changes have been a little bit, but still pretty much the similar roster we've seen in recent weeks. Just now we're going to have questions about quarterback. Meanwhile, the Preds just trying to find a win with this veteran squad. Still haven't gotten things down. Since they've joined, since they've had this mass joining of ex Empire talent and coaching, you think about it. Their one win, they had, they got against the Sharks before those transactions happened. So they're still having that chip on their shoulder. They're trying to do it. It's going to be. They've had talks online, as we've talked about, with Empire teammates and Preds teammates. Game of the week for the storylines, people. Mm-hmm. I gotta go with the home team though, and it's because I will say it on paper. This is the more talented team. They have one of the rowdiest crowds in the NAL behind them. It's going to be a good attendance there in the jungle. You're going to have a second week with Jonathan Bain getting his boots strapped up and ready to go with Damon Ware. Empire are going to play tough. Toughness to me, you're going to get over-talented is what's going to happen. There's too much talent to not walk away on Friday night with a win in Amway to get you to 2-5 and and to keep up. I gotta go with the Preds. It'll be a chip. I think it'll be a chippy game. You will see some. I would some unique moments. I think that we will all be talking about, mm-hmm. just given how these guys have been talking all week. But I gotta go with the Preds. That is uh that is my lock. Well, I'm gonna make this short and sweet. Let's do a checklist. Who has the best offensive line, defensive line in this in this game? Orlando. Check. Who has the better receiver core right now? Orlando or Albany? Orlando, check. Who has the better coaching right now? Orlando, because of experience. Damon Ware has a lot more experience than Malega. Malega has experience, but not in the NAL. Orlando, who has the better quarterback? Orlando with Bain right now. All things are pointing towards Orlando. All things are pointing to Orlando winning this game pretty handily. Maybe one-sided there, but there are some talented players on Albany's side: Fabian Guerra, Kerry Starks, um, Roland Rivers, um, Jeff Lee Legree. They are guys over there in Albany. They're talented. 
Albany is where Orlando was last week. They may get a couple of scores, but it's something. eventually the team chemistry will catch up to them. It's not going to be a blowout in Orlando. Albany makes it to the second half, and this will be a competitive game in the second half. I do think it's going to be chippy. I do think this is like a, a college football rivalry atmosphere where the team that comes in, you can't stand, you hate. You're going to have that type of attitude and mentality in that building tomorrow night or tonight uh, in the Amway Center. But I do see Orlando winning this game, then winning this game and getting some help in the standings above them to get them right back in the mix of things um, for the second half of the season. I think Orlando wins this game comfortably by two possessions, possibly three. Albany just doesn't have enough firepower to keep up with Orlando in the second half. So I think the Orlando Predators win this game about 16 to 17 points. Well, fun times ahead. Tonight you'll get your first game of the week. Stick around for that. You should be coming up pretty shortly. If you have, if you missed it, oh, well. Um, don't worry. Two other games you're going to get analysis for as well. It's just Friday games are rare. Only got two this year, so we're done with them after this year. So you don't, you don't have to worry about having to quickly listen in for this episode. But thanks for tuning in, guys. Episode 109. Catch us on the other side of this coming week at the beginning. We got episode 110 coming up. NAL Rebound Week 10 Edition highlighting and giving you all the thoughts and, uh, recaps of the week prior and maybe some interesting new playoff uh, implications or at least changes that we'll see heading on out. But until that next show, guys, follow us on social media at in walls pod. Be sure to follow us. If you haven't on our YouTube page by subscribing to the channel, click that bell, by the way, if you haven't builds morale and you also get reminded of every episode that we drop along with some special content. Jim does drop these great trailers on there. You don't want to miss those. He does bring those up. They're fun, fun edits. He does a great job with them. Seriously, give him some love. Uh, and yeah, until next time, Jim, give us the give us the scoop. Remember one thing, everybody, before you go. What do you got to do? Don't be a jack in the box. <laughs> it's out of the box. <laughs> yeah, no. Don't be a jack <laughs> out of the box. I just want to, I'm just trying to, you know, feel the chaoticness that's going to be week 10 because I think it's going to be very chaotic. It wide. will be. It, so, it, it mostly yeah. will be. <laughs> Don't be a jack out of the box, please. And remember, Uno's back next week. Mm-mm, should be fun. Guys, see you on the other side. Catch you next time.
I'm on my way to come knock you down. Let's go. This time it's personal. It's time to reap what you sow. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. This is the end of the road. We got some unfinished business. Your time is ending. Right here, right now. of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier.